Gracious Father, we thank you for this time. And I pray that my words would bring hope um, in a world that we often are surprised by. There's beauty all around, um, but there's such hidden brokenness. So, Father, help us to have the courage to continue to look to you and pry our fingers away from whatever our plan A's were. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, so thank you for having me. It's, it's a delight. Um, it's really fun to see Fran and Kathy here, um, fellow brave women that went to Beeson, maybe not at the traditional time, and um, who wondered if they could memorize anything, especially languages. So it's good there, and um, thank you to Deborah. We talked about a couple of different topics that I could use I was actually really shocked that um, that was the one that you liked. Uh, I thought, no, these women, these women are living plan A. This is, you know, they they can't relate to me. Um, I often, that's my perception. Everyone else, especially maybe in this part of the city, has plan A figured out except for me. So my default is to kind of slide away and... um, eat more moose tracks. Um, so, but I'll wait till after the event. But I, I say that and I have a perception, but I have, I'm old enough and I have lived in real community enough to know that no one I know is living their own version of plan A. I, I keep thinking it's happening because it looks like that. But if you are in real community with real people, it doesn't happen. I, when we moved back to the South, um, I prayed for a Get Real Club because it, um, I had come from Montana where everybody really looked real. And I came here and I went, I, I don't think so. Um, in fact, they gave me a, um, this was back in the 90s, but they gave me, and I, I don't know if you'll relate, I don't know how they knew to do this, but they gave me a bowhead party. So all the women who are like mountain women put bows in their head hair and, and wore cute little outfits and wore makeup for the first time as um as they launched here but i did end up getting a very get real club and in fact to the point where people aren't sure they want to be my friends anymore because everybody's lives are so complicated but so there you have the picture but the reality is i know a woman Picture-perfect marriage, right zip code, uh, everyone envied. Horrific divorce, and now she's raising five kids on food stamps, and it's not because her husband can't afford that. It's because of how it ended up. I have the friend that um, did everything right with the right spirit, um, but whose husband was mentally ill, committed suicide. And her daughter is in a very dangerous place emotionally now. I have friends who are living in Boston who are in full-time ministry. And their son, who was on track to be an Ivy League football player, had a horrific injury from football and now has a traumatic brain injury and is, has to have full-time care. He's now in his 20s. And I... Um, <laughs> A lot of my friends are in this situation, but they had a very successful business. We have friends that are now in their 60s, um, but it was linked with the housing industry, and they're having to start start over in their 60s with no retirement plan left because they paid all their employees before they um, closed the business down. 
And um, before you flee, one more. Um, my 45-year-old uh, <laughs> my friend, which is young, just so you know, um, very young, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And in the same year, her mother and her younger sister were diagnosed at the same time. Broken lives, broken relationships, broken dreams, not even sure. The future seems very foggy. And through all of this and all these threads, one of my basic threads and reason I went to Beeson is I love scripture, but I don't always understand scripture. I kept coming back to the verse in Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. So here's my love of scripture, and then here's my slight, slightly slightly cynical, sarcastic nature coming together going, is that just a way to sell more graduation mugs? Is that something nice to put on the nursery wall? It just sounds great. But how is this connecting? I can even look out. It's, as I said, it's a battle because I look out and I see beautiful, beautiful people and a beautiful church and a beautiful building and I'd love to do a survey, but I won't, of how many of you are living out plan A or B <laughs> or C. For me, I can't like, okay, B, B looks really good. <laughs> okay, C, C's okay. Um, but, and it doesn't have, you don't have to be old and cynical or even lazy. Because some people say, well, if you just work it hard enough. It can happen to the beautiful young woman who's a mom but feels totally isolated, both she and her kids, as she goes to the tot lot and there's no one there that will talk to her. It can happen to the single woman who has the greatest of careers but no prospects for a spouse. Or it can happen to the empty nester who's looking around and would rather have a do-over than the quiet home. So as you think about that, I tried to think of what my plan A was. I don't think I, as I started out, I don't think I could have described to you what plan A was. Um, if you've ever done the Myers-Briggs test, <laughs> the only thing I'm sure of is I'm a P, which means I can come up with lots and lots and lots of plan A for me and my kids, for a husband, but don't make me choose. I didn't know what it was, but I knew what it wasn't. Um, every time a door shut, every time I compared myself or my life or especially my kids to what I thought other people's plans A's were, or when I started reading those stupid articles on, you know, kind of plan A for dummies, uh, you know, oh, if I'd only done this, that door would not have closed. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of background. As a child, I moved about every three years. So Plan A was not rooted in a place. It wasn't rooted in a community. It wasn't rooted in a family expectation. Um, so most of mine revolved around books and a career. If you move a lot, you end up reading a lot. Um, so getting good grades equaled Plan A. So you can only imagine how horrific it was to suddenly have B. C, D, F coming at me um, as we did that. So, But by the middle of high school, we had moved to Georgia, 
and I ended up going to Auburn. And, um, then, and it was there that this California slash Connecticut slash Puerto Rico slash whatever girl, Catholic too, found Jesus Christ. Um, let me reverse that. Jesus Christ found me. So the truth is plan A is fulfilled and the adventure begins. But I was still, even though the picture was foggy, I still knew that if I worked it right, I could reach. Even if I didn't know what it was, I was going to reach it. Um, So as I went through, I tried to figure out, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know what it feels like. For me, plan A, if you can imagine like a high rise, this high rise of hope, and there'd be a penthouse suite at the top in glass. I was like, okay, if I just get on the right elevator and I, you know, I push the right buttons and I'm really nice and I'm sincere and have a little bit of luck and keep being persistent, I'll get to the top. Um, I ended up on the elevator, those, you know, those glass elevators on the outside of the buildings that if you're afraid of heights like me, you're kind of like, that's what it felt like. And I would push the buttons and it would almost get to the top and then it would kind of go down just a floor or two, or, or get stuck down in the middle, and I'd be waiting. The problem was, as I was in the glass elevator, I was looking around at all the other high-rises and all the other people that looked like they had made it to the penthouse, and they were laughing and drinking and eating and taking pictures of me in my glass elevator, so thankful that they didn't have that life out of control, pushing the button. So, but, um, so as I was on this journey after Auburn, I did marry a great Southern Auburn man. Again, maybe that was plan A, just boom. He had never lived anywhere else. One house his entire life. I couldn't even imagine that. And I thought, I'll never move again. But unfortunately, we did. We moved kind of all across the country. And in my 20s, when my dad was, was my age, he um, contracted leukemia. And so that's when plan A's deadline seemed to, to hit. I thought, okay, it's time to have children. That, that means so he can have grandchildren. So that's the button that I started pushing. And every month I would push that button and the floor would go down once. And I would keep pushing that with every infertility treatment, with every... Um, sincere suggestion from all my friends on how to, to, uh, to leap back on to plan uh, into, the, into the plan A penthouse. And there I was in my glass elevator watching all the other penthouses fill up with many babies, <laughs> more babies than they wanted. All I, all I could see, it looked like they were all bulging out. And I was like, can, can you spare one? So, um, and And then we had the great opportunity to um, adopt through open adoption. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. We were on the front end. Our kids are are older now. And um, that was beautiful because that's where you actually get to meet the birth mom or the birth parents and potentially have a relationship with them. And it is beautiful and it is bittersweet. I don't know if any of you have done that, but suddenly the precious gift that you're given, you realize what a price is being paid 
It's not an inconvenience. It is a sacrifice that you receive this gift. So my elevator rose to plan B. And if, if you've gone through infertility, for that, there's always a lingering hope or a wish to experience, just experience pregnancy and see what kids would look like that had your genes. All of those, those of you who have multiple children and would never want to go through pregnancy again, you can talk to me afterwards on that one. So after that, we moved to Montana. That was not my plan A. I did not even know that, I wasn't sure that it was in the confines of the United States. I thought, why is, my husband had a, on a whim, wanted to move there. I was so shocked that that was the first place that I felt like home. I don't know if a lot of exiles all gathered there or if they were as quirky as I was, but I suddenly relaxed. Part of it was I had a husband that was now able to spend time at home, regular hours with our kids. Um, So it was kind of like plan A minus. So the roots started going down, but after a few years, my husband had a great opportunity to return to academic medicine and subspecialty work at UAB. So he said, let's give it a try. If we don't like it, we can leave in two years. Um, So as soon as he said that, I just kind of crashed. It wasn't plan A, B, C, D for me, partly because coming back to the South really scared me. Um, I'd be an outsider again. Bill would be gone again. I'd be raising our kids in a culture I wasn't sure I could navigate, even the Christian culture I wasn't sure I could navigate. And I knew that I would hear this again. So where are you from? So who do you root for? And then they'd cock their heads and go, you don't sound like you went to Auburn. And so just that one more remove from where you, where you think you are. Those first five years were very, very tough. My husband was struggling um, I had the great privilege to teach Bible study fellowship, and I think God did that so I would have a scriptural, have scriptural sanity in the mix of waiting to see what we were going to do. And as we did that, um, my husband and I kept talking about it, and we both decided that we'd move back to Montana. So um, we're both P's. So for us to make a decision at all takes that long. And so we started to launch. We sold our house, which was a miracle, because my real estate agency would say, buy high, sell low, and take a really, really long time to do it. But it sold in a week. I, I resigned from teaching BSF, which I loved. And, and then my husband, and we bought a lot in Montana. And two weeks before the, our house closed, he said, you know, I think I should stay. That's when... Everything crashed for me. I had no ministry. I had no house. My kids were no longer even registered in the school that they were in and were kind of put back on a waiting list. All I had was a credit card. And now being the age I am, I wish I had taken advantage of that more. But um, at the time, that my elevator felt like it crashed to the ground. It was also the year that 9-11 happened. When I saw those twin towers falling, it felt like my life. When I saw people 
wandering around with dust on their faces. I identified. Just that look of disbelief, disorientation, confusion. It was like walking around like zombies. That's what my plan Z felt like. It wasn't a floor here or there. It crashed to the ground zero. I didn't care about penthouses anymore. I just wanted to find a building, a house. Um, And as I say that, I'm sobered because, as I said, when I was listing all my get real friends, I have so many friends, and you know, and you could be experiencing 9-11s I can't even imagine. So all I can do, all I pray that I can do is even through my shallow experience is to give you some hope and perspective to connect you with Christ and use scripture and my own story and encourage you to get into community. So I went back to wrestling with 9-11, the biblical 9-11, Jeremiah 29-11. The I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And it seemed to be laughing at me. What plans, what future, what hope? Even after 13 years, I can still go back to some of those 9-11 moments. And the dust still kicks up sometimes. Most days, I am so grateful exactly for where I am. I can even see like a new high rise. But it wasn't my plan. I'm living in a bigger plan than I wanted, um, in a place that I'm still navigating. I don't know what it is for you. Um, I know that even though... and. The struggles continued because even if you don't have a clear picture of what plan A is for you, you have a very clear picture of what plan A is for your kids. (laughs) So if the door gets slammed in their face or if they close the door on their own (laughs) or if they do not care that your plan A is so good that they, they navigate around it, when those things happen, you start going back and and pushing the button over and over again. So what does it look like for you? How do you, it could be traumatic, or maybe it's just a slow descend, like, oh my gosh, it's not going to happen. Okay, okay, I'm fine here. And then you keep, keep sliding year by year, where maybe that plan A will not happen. How do you let go of your own plan A? However beautiful it is, <laughs> I keep thinking of prying my fingers and I keep getting it back so that you can embrace God's plan A for you. How do you let, how do you let go of plan A or even Z because it's safer than looking at God's plan A? So for me, I had to start with confession. Um, so I teach the Bible, but should use your own version. So let me read from the N, let's see, NPAT, the Nancy Personal Application Translation. <laughs> this is how I was reading Jeremiah 29:11. For I, God, your plan A provider, know the plans you have for your life. And your plans are for personal success with no pain to give you exactly the safe, predictable, slightly envied future you'd hoped for. Um, So 
I had to start with letting that go and saying, yeah, maybe, maybe my plan looked a bit like that. So I'd forgotten to read, forgotten what I teach others, which is read scripture in context. Don't pull out random verses and try to spank them into your life. Do you know what spanks are? If you know what spanks are, you know it's not a pretty sight. There's muffin tops over, under, etc. But you know when you cling to one little verse and you go, this is what I want, God. So let me give you a bit more context with Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, as he was called. He was the antithesis of a plan A prophet. He He had a message no one wanted to hear, that he didn't want to state. He started when he was a teenager and went for 40 years telling people that God was angry at his chosen people and would allow the Babylonians to take them into exile and he would destroy Jerusalem. He was speaking to people who knew they were chosen and special and so special that they didn't think they actually had to fear and obey God. These were people that were stuck in their sin followed by the pain and confusion of their exile. As he thought of that, um, there's a couple of things that um, rattled. I was looking at an American version of Scripture instead of a biblical version as well. I was looking at American time, which is now. You get in that little car and you keep the gas going, versus 70 years He did not pull any punches. In fact, he preached against the false prophets that said, oh, sweetie, it'll be over just soon. Just push that button. You'll be back up in that penthouse no time. That is not the message of Jeremiah. American view of scripture is very individualistic. I was looking at that for me, my family, when if if Jeremiah was speaking in Birmingham, he would say, I know the plans I have for all of y'all together. That is the version we have to look at is y'all, plural y'all, as he's looking at a community of messy people together. Um, All of us longing for different penthouse plan A's. And then I was manipulating the ideas of welfare and prosperity. What great American words those are. The English translation does not do it justice. Um, Shalom is what he's offering them. Shalom means so much more. It is wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, prosperity. The list goes on. Harmony, the lack or absence of discord. The root verb means to be complete, perfect, and full. God's plan for me individually and as a community and for the long term. That plan is to fully complete us and give us peace with ourselves, with each other, and with God. Jeremiah then goes in from 29. If you go into 31 and chapter 32, he is the Old Testament prophet that most clearly lays out the new covenant, everlasting covenant which will be fulfilled through Jesus Christ I'm just going to read those verses to you and think about yourself as you would the Israelites the Israelites were had some kind of vision of their own plan a they also had the law 
kind of a catch-22 law, though. The law was given, and God said the law is good because you can't keep the law. Um, but try. And um, so they were already not, the buttons weren't working. So listen to this. This is the promises that we need to cling to. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I'll be their God, and they will be my, shall be my people. No longer shall each teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Forgiveness in the midst of continuing to go back to smaller plans than God's plans. In Jeremiah 32, counterintuitively, as God works, he tells Jeremiah to buy a plot of land right where he's saying, I'm going to send you to exile, but by faith, go ahead. This land will be worth something someday. (laughs) And this is the command, this is the promise that I really cling to when that plan A didn't work out for me. I will bring them back to this place. And I didn't know what the place was. Um, By then, I was so confused, I didn't know where God would have us. I will make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I'll make them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and my soul. That's something we can cling to. That is a promise not just for our own selves, our own comfort. It is for our generations, for our families. And the promise is that he will never stop doing us good. That, that breaks my shame cycle as well because often if you have a plan A or even if you're trying to keep the law on your own, at a certain point you go, oh my gosh, I cannot do this and everyone else is doing it. He's saying, no, I know you can't do it. That's why I have provided my son, Jesus Christ, whose death on the cross seals plan A for all who believe. And I love the Episcopal Church, that you have communion every Sunday. Um, You can remember that every time you drink the wine and eat the bread. Remember that. That's plan A. And it is sealed. And the adventure continues after that. But as you do that, I'd there. As I keep thinking of my own, I keep going back to, but I still like plan A. So I'd like to give you just a few suggestions, four suggestions on practical ways to embrace God's plan A. And the first one is recognize it is never too late. (laughs) My mother-in-law was a widow for 20 years, and she she married at age 79. She married the wealthy banker (laughs) who is also a widower, and they built a new home and everything. And she had the courage to go, this might be it. (laughs) Um, My problem with every time I hear even God's plan A, I should be rejoicing. 
But the first thing I often do is, oh, how could I have missed it for so long? It's, it's over. I, I, you know, I just lose energy. I just, I go, and, and I know it now where I'm at. Um, one of the reasons I started the blog and I'm writing more is a dear friend said to me, you can still do these things, but you don't have as much time. <laughs> so she kept like pushing me out. But I felt that way in my 20s when my dream job turned ugly. I felt that way when I was 30 and I had no children. I felt that way at 40 when my career was sidelined because of the kids. I felt that way at 45 when everything crumbled. If I think back, I could have stopped at any of those points. And the same thing with you. I think there it is a lie from the pit of hell that when you discover truth, that you might just actually curl up and say, why didn't I discover it earlier? Now is the time. This is the time to do it. Because no matter your age, that's my really late bloomer, it's better, it's better to bloom late than not at all. So second thing is you need to be in Scripture because you need, it's not intuitive to know God's plan A to get that sweeping picture of his redemption and covenant and kingdom for his people. And that Christ fulfills all the promises, the thread all the way from the Old to the New Testament. And when you're in, in Scripture, be curious and wrestle with God. You can wrestle with these verses like Jeremiah 29. I anchored in Jeremiah 32 um, that he would rejoice to do me good. You're, he welcomes your questions. <laughs> um, so curious questions like, so, so what are you doing? Where, where are you moving? You might even change the tone of your question. You know that if you have kids, it's all in the way they ask questions. Um, if you're saying the whiny, why me, God? Can you change your tone from whining to wonder? Why me? Why did you choose me, God? And check the, the tone of your voice, but hang in with scripture. The third thing is be in community. Form your own get real club. It is not about showing up, looking good on the outside, but despairing on the inside. It's not like a group of toddlers that get together with parallel play. Have you ever seen that? They don't really, <laughs> they don't really talk to each other. They were happily and the parents happily put them there. It is really about a place. I think of it, sometimes you go someplace and you're comparing your insides with everybody's outsides. And you need a place where everybody's insides are exposed. That means you need a safe group who's willing to walk with you in honesty and longevity. Um, that, that happened with me, and um, I was so thankful when my kids were in high school I was with two friends whose kids were just a little bit farther ahead of mine. And so as my kids kept, um, as the doors closed, as they did not follow the school's plan A as well as mine, my friends had enough insight to know, hmm, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And um, they kept refocusing me. They didn't fix me, but they suggested the most important things, which is you might want to just hang in and stay in relationship with your kids, and you want, might want to point them for their need to Christ. So pray and ask God 
to help you find a group, a core group of people that you can be in community with. And the fourth thing is what Jeremiah says, which is to plant yourself in the land. In Jeremiah 29, 7, he says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, or shalom, you shall find your welfare, or shalom. Your peace is found when you root in where God has sent you in exile. Don't keep waiting for the different elevator. Live the life you have right now. Have faith to plant in wherever plan B might be, even if it's only temporarily. Um, For me, seeking the welfare of the city um, looks like a new, new organization. We don't even know what to call it. A dear artist friend and I have started Inspero, which is a way to cultivate creative community Um, We're nurturing artists, plugging them back into the churches in the area who don't know what to do with artists, and also plugging them into the city because we really believe that when our creative community flourishes, our city will flourish. And so um, it's been really fun. And a great side benefit is I'm finding out how cool Birmingham is and also how quirky it is. So I'm suddenly like, I don't have to go to Montana. (laughs) So, and... If, if that image, the other image I want to give you, I always do this. So if you haven't seen this movie, I, I'm going to tell you the ending. I always do final scenes. But it's an old movie. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen My Best Friend's Wedding. But Julia Roberts, the beautiful woman, her plan A crashed. The person she finally admitted she loved, loved someone else and got married. And she's there in the tent drinking and not knowing what to do and what she's encouraged to do is keep dancing so keep dancing even if it's in the dust keep dancing even though it's on brokenness Um, keep dancing in community (laughs) even if you don't want to just think how much it will just bother the people around you to realize that you're living life even though it's not plan a When I really thought of it, it's not the plan A penthouse people that I'm attracted to. They're not the beautiful ones. It's the ones that even when life has crashed, they keep going. They they come back. Our our friends in their mid-60s are starting a new business. Our friends whose son has this injury are advocates for concussion care. We're just seeing that's beauty. That's who I want to be around are the people that have courage. So as I close, there's only one other image I want to leave you with. I have a refrigerator magnet, um, and it's a highway sign. On one side, it points to the left that says bitter old people, (laughs) and on the right has one that says idealistic youth. (laughs) I've had that there going, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the left. (laughs) But then I've been in John 14 in a study that I'm writing right now, And I think there's a better way. And he's saying, you don't have to turn off at all. Keep on the straight way. He's saying, so here's here's Jesus talking to his disciples. His disciples have their own plan A. They know where they're going to sit when they come back into their kingdom. They know what it's going to look like when they dispel Rome. And Jesus knows the best plan A for him and for them is going to look horrific for them. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Then he says, 
and I've got a place prepared for you. My penthouse, plan A, your room is ready. I'm not lying to you. And you're going to know the way. And Thomas, beautiful Thomas, I love Thomas. He says, we don't know the way. He said, and it is this perfect setup for Jesus to say, you know the plan. You know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you as we, I just pray as we leave, but I want you to picture not a penthouse. I want you to be there with the disciples as he's, he is leading them to the cross and to the resurrection. And he is, I just picture Jesus gently holding your face wherever you're at, looking around at different planets. And he's saying, I'm the way, I am the direction. I'm the truth, I'm your destination. I am the life, I am your desire. And then he's going to say, you know what? It's not about a plan. It's about a person. And that person is me, Jesus Christ. Trust me. So as you go, wherever the dust is, if it's 9-11 or if it's just a stuck elevator, and there's still buildings left for you, um, don't look at the other penthouses. (laughs) Feel Jesus' hands and look back in his just turn your eyes to Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and say, it really isn't a plan. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus Christ, we're, we're right there. Jeremiah could be preaching to us because there's things to do. There are plans to have. And you're pointing us to the new covenant where you're going to plant the right desires in our hearts, the right purpose. And you are going to provide the one person, Jesus Christ. So help us to continue to pry our fingers away. Help us to be in real community as we do it and in scripture. And wherever we're at to know what it means to seek shalom for our city and that it will reflect on us. Be with each woman here. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you. Keep it on. Keep it on just for a minute. Isn't she wonderful? I've received so much from the Lord through Nancy. So let's just pray right now before you're dismissed and give thanks for her. So let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your hand at work um, in and through Nancy. Thank you for the ministry that she has here in Birmingham and beyond. It's really your ministry, Lord, and we give you thanks for it. And so we ask even now, put your um, uh, blessing. We ask for your blessing upon her and upon the ministry that you've given her. Continue to use her. Open up new doors for her here and beyond. And Lord, um, continue to cause there to be ground ever ready to hear the word as it goes forth from her mouth. So we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you.